People get mixed up on my name all the time. Some people call me Bill, and I've even been called Brain, (laughs) though I'm not quite sure where that one comes from. When I'm called Mr. Bill, people around my age think of his sidekick, Sluggo, and start laughing. I like to joke that having three first names means when people say my name, three guys come running. And I tell people not to worry if they get my name wrong. I'm okay with that. Really, I am. It's not a big deal to me. But when someone says your name, the hope is for good things to come to their mind. That's why it hurts so much when someone drags your name through the mud or attributes some things to you that you've never said or done. I'm reminded of Proverbs 22.1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. Well, the converse is also true according to 1 Samuel 25, 25. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, his name was Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. Now, some names are so well-known, they've become synonymous with a product. For instance, most of us don't look for a tissue, we reach for a Kleenex. Uh, other examples would include Band-Aids and Scotch tape. You see, companies know the importance of their name, even putting trademarks on it so no one can use it wrongly. You see, what we call God is a big deal to him because his name reflects his nature. He has spent eternity building his name. I mean, we could say that God's name is copyright protected. So the second commandment prohibits wrong worship of God while the third commandment forbids wrong words about God. Now, some of us think this command is the easy one to keep out of the list of ten because maybe you're thinking, I don't cuss, I don't curse, at least not much. But as long as we don't use God's name as a swear word, we can skate on this one, right? Uh, Not so much. Because actually, most of us break this command all the time. This command is concise But it's quite convicting. If you have your Bible with you, there are some in front of you. Uh, Open to Exodus chapter 20. And let me remind you before I read verse 7 that the Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. Listen then to God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We could say it like this. When we 
see God as weighty, we won't want to take his name lightly. Well, we're encouraging everyone during this series to take a bookmark. They're located in front of you. If you don't have one yet, grab one. And we want people to be familiar with the Ten Commandments. We've summarized them in two or three phrases for each commandment. And during this series, we're also encouraging everyone to memorize this list. So last week, I asked for any volunteers It was crickets, all three services. You guys all like dropped your eyes. The eye contact went to the floor. But I'm wondering today, if some of you would join me, I'm going to quote them from memory as well, wondering if you're ready to stand with me, those of you who have them memorized, and let's quote these commands together. Anyone willing to do that today? All right, one in the back. All right, all right. Good job. Okay, this is good. I'm going to close my eyes so I don't cheat. I don't want to break one of the other commandments while going through this. If we stumble, you give us some help, okay? So let's quote the commands together. Number one, one God. Number two, no idols. Number three, revere his name. Number four, remember to rest. Number five, honor parents. Number six, no murder. Number seven, no adultery. Number eight, no stealing. Number nine, no lying. And number ten, no coveting. Let's give them a hand, shall we? So let me just tell you what my hope is. It, it might be a hope that isn't satisfied, but, but I know this church. Here's my hope. By the end of this series, the last message in this series, all of us will be able to stand and quote the Ten Commandments. I'm so moved when I hear how families are utilizing the Ten Commandments as part of their discipleship. I saw a post this week from Nate and Shannon Weaver showing Daniel, their two-year-old, standing in front of their refrigerator pointing to this bookmark. This is part of what Shannon posted. She said, trying to memorize the Ten Commandments and not only memorize them, but discuss them as well. When we were faced with a moment where correction was needed, the bookmark with the Ten Commandments was brought out and discussed. I was so impressed with that kind of intentional parenting, I followed up with them. I asked if I could share this picture, and I'm hoping that it will encourage each of us to take these commands that are written in stone and to make sure that we get them imprinted on our hearts and in our homes. And so Shannon replied, here's part of what she said, I took this picture because this is a two-year-old trying to learn the Ten Commandments, and he wants to learn them. We have these bookmarks in the car. I have one by my computer at work. Our bookmark is taken off the fridge so much it needs tape to be constantly replaced. This child loves Jesus. He won't eat until we've prayed. He wakes up and wants to read his devotional. Friends, our approach today is simple. 
We're going to start with interpretation, and then we're going to move to application. We're going to look at what the command means, and then we're going to conclude with what it means to us. I draw your attention again to verse 7 of Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to walk through it phrase by phrase. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. First phrase, you shall not take. Well, like the first two commands, this one also begins with a very strong negative. It reads really like this, absolutely do not do what follows. The word take comes from the courtroom. It means to lift up, to carry, to take up, to bear, and to raise. You shall not take the name. In the surrounding cultures of Israel, knowing the name of a god, small g, gave one access and influence. So even more so, knowing the name of the one true covenant keeping God gave his people the special privilege of having access to him. Now, in the Bible, a name was not only for identification. That's how we view someone's name as identification. In the Bible, it represented an actual identity. It represented one's entire reputation. So a name stood for the nature of someone. God's name represents the totality of who he is and what he does. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. Look at verse 2. We see God declaring who he is. I am the Lord your God. And verse 5, for I, the Lord your God. First name in verse 7 is Yahweh. It means I am who I am, the self-existent one. The second name is Elohim, means mighty one. It refers to God as supreme, as the faithful God. And God invites all of us to call him by name and find safety in the shelter of his name. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Are you aware there are some 300 different names and titles of God all revealed by God himself to his people. It helps us get to know him better. I mean, some of those names that come to mind are Adonai, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh. The beautiful blessing found in Numbers chapter 6 involved God putting his name on his people. And often when we hear this benediction, verse 27 unfortunately is left off. So I'm going to read it, including verse 27. And I'm also going to substitute the Hebrew word Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh, lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. 
Here's the verse that we, we don't include generally. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Okay, let's look at the phrase in vain. What does that mean? Well, the word vain means empty, insincere, wasted, useless, with a worthless purpose. It means to empty of content or void of meaning. And so we take God's name in vain when we use it in a frivolous, casual, or careless way. It's tantamount to saying your name is worth nothing in my estimation. More literally, it means you shall not lift up the name of the Lord your God for nothingness. According to Leviticus twenty-two thirty-two, God is deeply offended when we empty his name of meaning. Check out this verse in the New Living Translation. Do not treat my holy name as common and ordinary. I must be treated as holy. Let's look at the last phrase now. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The word guiltless means to be made clean or to lay bare. God wants us to know how serious he is about his name. Ray Pritchard writes, God is not a toy you can play with casually and then put back on the shelf. It's like the warning sign that says danger, high voltage. If you ignore the sign, you'll soon be electrocuted. The third commandment is saying danger. God is a live wire. Do not touch or trifle with him. There are many examples in the Old Testament. Let me choose just one. There's a dispute going on between two people. They're duking it out. According to verse 11 of Leviticus 24, as they fought, one, quote, blasphemed the name and cursed. He must have been pretty mad. Well, people are watching this fight, and they report what was said to Moses. Moses had this individual stoned to death and then said these words, whoever curses his God shall surely be put to death. Taking the Lord's name lightly could result in swift and severe retribution. A New Testament example, consider what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when the Bible says they lied to the Holy Spirit. They didn't treat him as holy. The opposite of trivializing God's name is to give him the weightiness. That's what honor means. Consider him weighty. God will not allow his name to be misused. And those who treat God's name as empty uh, will stand empty before him. Now, before moving on, would you observe the word takes? That refers to a person who is in the habit of taking God's name in vain. I find that somewhat comforting because we've all fallen into this sin at one time or another. Now, for the rest of our time, let's consider how this commandment must affect our lives, how we live, and our lips, what comes out of our mouths. Because it's common to think this command only has to do with cursing or cussing. 
Well, we're going to see it certainly covers that, but it goes much deeper. Well, let's start by watching our lives. Do you know it's possible for God's name to be taken in vain even when his name is not uttered verbally? Hypocrisy breaks the third commandment. It gives God's name a bad reputation. I profane the name of the Lord when my life does not match the majesty of the Almighty. Jesus had some very harsh words for hypocrites. Mark 7, verse 6, religious people this is directed to, uh, actually directed to people like me, religious leaders. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jen Wilkin writes, we can also misuse the name of the Lord by speaking hallowed words while living hollow lives. When we preach a moral code that we ourselves do not strive to uphold, we become just like those Jesus railed against in his ministry, a people who honor God with their lips, with our lips, but whose hearts are far from him. I read about what happened when a soldier of Alexander the Great deserted his post in battle. Alexander the Great tracked him down and he asked the soldier for his name. The soldier stuttered in fear. And he said, my name is Alexander, my Lord. To which Alexander the Great said, well, you have three choices. Fight, get out of the army, or change your name. Listen, claiming to be a Christian in name and not living like one is a dangerous deal because this is a way of taking God's name in vain. Check out Titus 1.16. They profess to know God. They say, yes, I know God, uh, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. Question, can people tell that Jesus is your Lord just by looking at your life? Can your family? How about your neighbors? How about your coworkers? How about your classmates? How about people in the community? See, taking up the name Christian is an honor. Why? Well, the name literally means little Christ. So to claim to be a Christian means that we are called by the name of Christ and we're striving to follow him. Let me say it like this. We are the keepers of God's reputation in our neighborhood and to the nations. And one of the most chilling verses in this regard is written to religious people. Well, check out Romans 2, 24. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So people who don't know Jesus are blaspheming because of how believers are living. May that not ever be said of you or me. Let's go back to the idea of God's name being trademarked property. We could say he has licensed the use of his name to anyone who will use it reverently. 
One author put it like this, God retains legal control over his name and he threatens serious penalties against the unauthorized misuse of this extremely valuable property. And so, loved ones, let's watch our lives and not walk in worldliness. Well, let's look now at 15 ways we need to watch the words that come across our lips. Let's come back to our main idea. When we see God is weighty, we won't want to take his name lightly. Number one, blasphemy. To blaspheme is to speak with contempt about God or to be defiantly irreverent. Blasphemy is a verbal or written reproach of God's name, his character, his works, or his attributes. And the punishment for blasphemy in the Bible is severe. Cursing. A curse is an expressed wish that was a form of adversity, that some form of adversity or misfortune will befall or attach to one or more persons, a place, or an object. What a dreadful thing it is to take the most sacred name we could ever utter and use it to curse someone. A man has a flat tire and he curses the tire. A woman stumbles over a chair in the dark and curses the chair. Friends, God's name is not an exclamation point for our expressions. When we say, God blank you, we're asking God to sentence someone to eternity in hell. Why? Why would we ever want to call down divine damnation on anyone? Isn't it our job to share the good news of Jesus Christ so they won't face damnation? Well, someone may push back and say, you know, I don't really mean anything by my profanity when I use the name of God or Jesus. Uh, Well, that's exactly what's wrong with it. Because that kind of speech empties God's name of meaning, which is the definition of taking it in vain. A pastor friend paraphrases this commandment like this, you shall not use the name of the Lord without meaning something by it. Number three, cussing. To cuss means to use an obscene or profane word either against God or against those made in the image of God. Ephesians 4.29 calls us to watch what comes out of our mouths. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is for good and for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace. And our words can give grace to those who hear. Okay, you might not agree with everything on this list, and I'm going to meddle at certain occasions, so here's my first meddling. Number four, memorized prayers. I can still quote the dinner prayer our family used when I was growing up with the same speed I spouted it off over 50 years ago. Bless us, O Lord, for these I gifts which about to receive from thy good body, Christ, Lord, amen. That's how I prayed it because then it was time to eat. Now, if you use a memorized prayer, my guess is it's a good prayer. But here's my advice. Slow it down. Think through each word and pray it with great meaning. 
Number five, vain repetition. Sometimes we repeatedly insert the name of God into our prayers, much like we use the word um in our sentences. Listen, we're to fear God's name, not use it as filler. In Matthew 6, 7, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Number six, careless conversation. Expressions like, good Lord, or oh my God, are often used carelessly with disturbing frequency. I ran into someone some time ago who was telling me about his 20-year-old Converse All-Star shoes. He was so pumped about them, he ended up using three different names for God to describe his shoes. Number seven, worship songs. It's very easy when we sing to just mouth the words and then not realize we may have just declared our willingness to do whatever God wants. For instance, one of the songs we just sang had these words, I live to say God reigns. Uh, Do we? Do we live to say God reigns? One commentator said, it has well been said that Christians do not tell lies, they just sing them in their songs. So be careful about sinning when you're singing. Now one way to do that is to focus on the words and make sure you're reflecting what those words are saying. Number eight, some of you are going to think, man, you put this up here because you're just trying to get to 15. Sneeze blessings. Now, I like it when someone asks God to bless me when I sneeze. I really do. But I wonder how serious we are about asking God to bless someone who sneezes. Now, if you really mean it, it's a good thing. Keep doing it. Number nine, crediting God for our own ideas. God certainly guides his people and reveals things to us But friends, we need to be careful about definitively declaring something like this. God told me, whatever it is. Or God led me, whatever that is. Unless we are really sure. And guys, don't say these words on your first date. God told me that we should get married. (laughs) Ladies, you're welcome. Number 10, irreverent titles for God. Someone once told me I must have a hotline to the big guy. I smiled and I said, "Uh, do you mean Yahweh? That was kind of a conversation stopper. Listen, God is not the man upstairs. He's not my homeboy. He's not my golf buddy. He's not the big daddy in heaven. He's not JC, and he's not just someone who must be watching over us. Number 11, abbreviations. By the way, I'm an equal opportunity offender here today, okay? We're just going to spread it wide. Here we go. OMG is a shortened way to take God's name 
in vain. So with texting, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we must avoid any abbreviation which belittles God. Several years ago, I came across a post from a believer who does not attend this church, and I wrote it down because I was so troubled by it. Quote, OMG, this is really blanking me off. Really. Number 12, substitute swearing. While many Christians don't use God's name in vain outright, I wonder if some of us have simply substituted euphemisms like gosh and golly and what the heck and geez. And I wonder if these are just polite ways to be profane. Number 13, Christian cliches. Some of us insert a phrase like praise the Lord without even thinking about it. Now, that's a great phrase to use if we're thinking about it. Number 14, perjury. Perjury is when you swear you're telling the truth, but you're actually lying. I wonder how many times this phrase gets used and the person is actually lying. Quote, I swear to God I'm telling the truth. You know, Jesus tells us just to be honest in Matthew 5. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And finally, breaking vows. Some people say, God, if you get me out of this jam, I promise to serve you forever. Ecclesiastes 5.5 warns us about making rash vows. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Now, before I say what I'm about to say, let me say this. Did that just make sense? If you're divorced, I can't imagine the pain that you've gone through and maybe are still going through, especially if that happened through no fault of your own. And if you are divorced, there's freedom and forgiveness and grace in Jesus. Okay, please hear that. But I want to speak now to those of us who are married and those of us considering marriage. The wedding vows you make to your spouse are witnessed by God Almighty. And the record is filed not just in the county courthouse, but in the courthouse of heaven. Be careful to keep your vows. When I was walking through this, I thought it might be helpful for us to take some time to think about how do we respond when we hear somebody cussing or cursing, taking God's name in vain? Well, let me make a few suggestions. Number one, don't be surprised when sinners sin. Guess what? Lost people act like lost people. Second, weep and then worship. We should be grieved when God's name is taken into the gutter. I heard about a woman who started weeping when she heard a man cursing. That broke him, and he stopped. Number three, watch your words and adjust your attitude. Be gentle. I mean, make sure you're not being self-righteous or spiritually smug and say something like, I told him off because he used God's name in vain. Well, now he knows where I stand, so there. I'll never forget what happened many years ago when I was doing sidewalk counseling outside an abortion clinic in downtown Chicago when I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. 
There are a group of us students who met to pray beforehand, and we were there hoping to pray for people as they were going into the clinic, and we gathered afterwards to pray. Our heart was to help. Our heart was to help women know that they didn't have to make that choice. And so while we're outside this clinic, and I don't know if it's still there, it was like three or four blocks from Moody, uh, downtown Chicago, there was a security guard that the clinic had hired. And he came out, we're all standing there, and he gave us directions about where to stand and where not to stand. And I remember him saying, you can't cross this line because it's private property. Well, myself and the other students, we respected that. As I recall, we smiled and we kind of stepped back, but we stayed outside where it wasn't private property. But just then, a man came up who also was outside the clinic. He looked at that security guard and he told him to go to blank. And I remember watching that interaction as we're trying to plead and pray for women to save their children, to save their babies, while someone else who supposedly was pro-life had no trouble sending someone to the eternal flames of hell. Colossians 4 says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Number four, make a bridge to the gospel when you hear someone cursing or cussing. We're not the profanity police. According to Isaiah 26, 8, we are called to spread the honor of his name everywhere. And so you could respond to someone cursing or cussing by saying something like this. I didn't know you were so religious. I mean, I just heard Jesus' name. You even talked about hell. Or, do you really want God to answer that prayer? Are you serious about what you want God to do there? Friends, remember, bad language shows how far someone is from God, but it also proves the existence of God, or they wouldn't use his name so much. Before I was saved, my language was terrible. I knew every curse word. I used them often. After coming to Christ, it took some time for the Lord to sanctify my speech. I remember reading about the Welsh revival of 1904. Foul-mouthed miners who had been converted had to retrain their mules (laughs) because they were no longer able to understand their commands without the use of profanity. You know, every now and then we hear of politicians who get caught on an open mic saying something that he or she didn't want the whole world to know. Would you be embarrassed to hear a recording of what you said? This past week, this past month. Well, according to Jesus in Matthew 12, 37, he has a recording of everything we've ever said. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. 
Here then are some action steps to help us watch our words so we don't break the third commandment. Number one, hallow his name. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the very first petition is focused on the Father's holy name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Ernest Hemingway once wrote these words, Our nada, nada is Spanish for nothing, Our nada, who art in nada, nada be thy name, thy kingdom nada, thy will be nada, in nada as it is in nada. Give us this nada, our daily nada, and nada us as our as." As we nada others, we nada our nadas and nada us, not into nada, but deliver us from nada. Man, that's a clear example of breaking the third commandment. If you know anything about Ernest Hemingway, he was miserable. He ended up taking his life. Listen, don't leave here and say, I just got to work harder. No. When we see God as weighty, we won't want to take his name lightly. If you want to refrain from taking his name in vain, revere his name. Treat God's name as weighty. You'll be less prone to be profane. Get lost in the magnitude of his majesty and you'll find yourself worshiping God's name instead of treating it as worthless. You could make this your prayer, Isaiah 26, 8. May your name and your renown be the desire of my soul. When we see him as weighty, we won't want to take him lightly even when we go through hard times. Let me remind you what Job said. The Lord gave. We're all of you happy when the Lord gives. And the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the, what? The name of the Lord. Number two, watch what you watch and be careful what you listen to. Uh, This is to tag on what Pastor Kyle shared a couple weeks ago. The stuff that comes into our minds, into our hearts, the things that pollute our souls from our mobile devices, from Netflix, from TV, all of that that comes in. And I wonder, have you been allowing worldliness to just creep into your life? Have you compromised biblical convictions by surrendering scriptural standards? This week I learned why movies have so much cussing and cursing. They were pretty honest. One site said this, swearing is an easy way to express emotion. It can be used for humorous purposes, but also for dramatic purposes. Plus, a lot of audience members like hearing swearing, especially teenagers. By the way, they made a list of the movies with the most expletives in them. Coming in number one at 715 expletives in one movie is a movie by Martin Scorsese. A study by the Parents Television Council found that profanity increased nearly 70% in just a five-year time span. Number three, we've mentioned this before. I mention it again because I need the reminder. Reserve words like awesome, glorious, and amazing for God alone. 
Let's take back those weighty words by refusing to use them for ice cream or for the weather or a sporting event or a concert. Listen, when we see God as weighty, we won't want to take his name lightly. Number four, stop complaining. I don't have time to develop this, but all complaining is ultimately an assault on Almighty God and an attack on his name. Many Christians don't cuss, they don't curse, uh, but we sure complain, don't we? To read more about that, check out Numbers 14. Number five, if you're a believer, if you're born again, you've not yet been baptized, that's your next step. This weekend, all totaled, 11 people were baptized. And so if you've not taken that step yet, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, God is laying a claim on you and he wants you to be baptized in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Number six, bear his name unashamedly. This is written to a church that's being persecuted, people who are suffering. Yet if anyone suffers as as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. (laughs) This command clobbers each one of us. Our lives and our lips betray our unholy hearts. And if you feel the sting of conviction, confess your sins, repent of them, and start revering his name. You know, ultimately, our unholy words are linked to our unholy hearts. Well, that's what Jesus said, Matthew fifteen nineteen. for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Ask Jesus to give you a new heart. We're also given a new name, Revelation 2.17. I'll give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we also have a new nature. We're a new creation. When Salvation Army founder William Booth was dying, There were some legal matters to attend to. So his lawyer said to Mrs. Booth, if you can get him to sign these papers, matters will be executed much more smoothly. But that wasn't easy because he was drifting in and out of consciousness, often delirious. They were finally able to wake him long enough for him to grab a pen and sign the papers. After he died, they discovered that he hadn't signed his name Instead, on every paper, he had signed the name Jesus. Friends, the name of Jesus is a big deal. Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So not only are we to revere his name, we're to rely on his name. Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Because of his name, God will not forsake you as you seek him. I wonder if you're ready today to put your trust in his name right now. Now, if you're ready to be saved now, would you close your eyes and pray this prayer along with me? Jesus, thank you for fully keeping the commands because, well, I haven't and I can't and actually I don't even want to most of the time. 
and I've been guilty of misusing your name by taking it in vain. My life and my lips have not lined up with your way and your will. I confess I'm a sinner, and I'm ready to repent of my sins. I believe you paid the price for my sins by dying on the cross, and you showed your power by rising from the dead on the third day. I now receive you as my Savior, my Mediator, my Lord. Come into my life, Jesus. Give me a new heart, and lead me to follow you faithfully from now on. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.